This time on Guided. The true entry perspective of going into the hermit phase is this. Who am I? Who am I without all these distortions? What it's about is letting our own natural rhythm come back to the surface. That's why we have to go back to basics. That's why we'll like being alone or being with nature a bunch. It's so our own algorithm can emerge to the surface. It's like a Rubik's cube. If you ever see the kids that like put together the Rubik's cube and solve it in like 20 seconds or something, they just move it really, really fast. Basically, they figured out an algorithm. And if you just repeat that pattern over and over and over again, the entire Rubik's cube solves itself. That's basically what the hermit phase is all about for us. Welcome to Guided, a podcast all about following your intuition, no matter where it guides you. everybody, this is Zach Luz. Welcome back to Guided. Today we're going to talk about part two of the seven stages of awakening told through seven stories. So just in case you didn't get to hear the last episode, we went through the first three stages of awakening. In this episode, we're going to go through stage four, five, six, and seven. Now, the point of these last two episodes has been to propose some sense of structure when we're going through the spiritual process. As we're going through our awakening, it can be a disorienting, uh, depressing, um, extremely challenging thing. Like I've, I've never gone through anything more challenging. And what I wanted to do with these two episodes was to offer some sense of structure so that as we're going through this process, maybe there's something that can give you a sense of clarity. Maybe there's something that can help you speed up the learning process so that you can get to the next stage a little bit quicker and then you can just move through this because it's going to be the most challenging thing you've ever done by far, like by way far. So uh, that's the point of what we're doing today. So if you didn't get to listen or you'd like a little refresher, here's a summary of the first three stages of awakening. Stage one is being asleep. For me, this is basically when I thought, you know, I'm fine, my life is 85% perfect. All I need is a little bit more money. Then my life will be great. And I stayed asleep in stage one until I reached stage two, which is the glimpse. The glimpse is where we started opening up our perspective and we're starting to see um, other spiritual things like coming into our reality and we're starting to question all of those underlying assumptions. We've seen something that's challenged us in a really, really intense way where we get a glimpse of what's possible. After that, we move into stage three, which is called mapping the patterns. This is when We've seen that there's more to the world than meets the eye. There are things that are working in the subtle realms that don't exactly make a whole lot of sense to us, but we're really, really excited to start learning more, 
seeing all the patterns that are basically creating our life experience and we're starting to want to gain control and well not just gain control but be able to have some sense of influence in our life when we get to this stage we go through it and then we start learning how the different patterns of our life kind of have set up the whole thing and this is where a lot of people meet someone like me or some kind of um some kind of healer this is where i met other healers and coaches and things like that that helped me see the underlying patterns that were basically controlling my life this as soon as we kind of start to get the hang of this where we go okay this is how it works i kind of have i kind of have my bearings here then we move on into stage four stage four dark night of the soul it had been a while since i'd been to an art museum the cashier gave me my little San Diego uh, Museum of Contemporary Art sticker. I slapped it on my shirt and then we walked in. We looked at some of the other exhibits and installations and you know, I didn't really get abstract art at the time. So I was walking around, I'd see these big pieces and I felt like I just couldn't really appreciate them in the way that they should be because I didn't know what I was looking at. So I meandered into this other room and I saw that, that there was an immersive exhibit, art where you could actually experience it by participating in it. So it was this, this dark room with this tiny little hallway. So what you did was you walked into the hallway, it took a sharp turn, and then it opened into this other room. This was a big room, tall ceilings, but it was pitch black. As we walked into the room, there was kind of this big, there were these big curtains, almost like a, a big elliptical, yeah, like a big oval of curtains that were about 20, 30 feet tall. So just imagine you're in like a clawfoot tub and then you have that shower curtain that goes all the way around the whole tub. That's basically what it was, but just way, way bigger and pitch black. So we walked into that room and you just kind of, you kind of like moved the curtains out of the way in order to get inside the room. And then I just started walking around the outside. It was pitch black and there were other people in there and I could feel like, oh wow. Um, I wonder what we're all doing here. And then I just kept walking and I kept my hand on the curtain because otherwise I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see you know, two inches in front of my face. So I just kept my hand on that, those big tall curtains. And then I just kept walking around and I kept walking around in this oval shape until I realized felt like I had already gone 360 degrees and I had already completed the whole circle, but I couldn't find the entrance. Everything was so pitch black in there that I, I got really disoriented. So then we kept walking and kept walking and kept walking. And we had gone around in a circle a couple different times. And that's when I started feeling a little bit of panic. I started thinking to myself, how the hell are we gonna get out of here? So I just kept walking around and 
trying to relax and trying to enjoy this because it was art. And I felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing. But then all these patterns started coming up and started popping up for me and I could notice them. I started thinking to myself, I don't have time to be stuck in an art exhibit all day. I need to get out of here. And then I had this other pattern come up that would say, whoa, I'm lost. This is cool. What a cool experience. I've never had this one before. And then I started thinking, oh, as a person I'm with, are they, are they bored? Like, should I, should I get them out of here? And in that darkness, where I was disoriented, I started noticing how these patterns had always been there with me. I thought about this stuff every single day. But I just kept walking around in a circle until I got to the point where I just kind of let go. And I submitted to the experience. So I was just sitting there in the dark, tapping the curtains, not having any idea how the hell we were going to get out of here. And after about 10, 15 minutes, I noticed something. It was almost like someone turned on a light. The pitch black environment that I was in, it started to turn to like a soft gray. I could see you know, a couple inches in front of my face and then I could see a couple feet in front of my face. And then pretty soon I could see these tall 20 foot dark gray curtains. I saw the elliptical shape. I, I understood what I was in. And then eventually I realized, wow, this is like one of the coolest art pieces I've ever experienced. What a cool metaphor. Eventually we found the little slit in the curtain to basically walk out. And we walked outside and then everything was brighter than it had ever been before. My eyes had to adjust from the darkness because I was able to befriend it and become comfortable with it. Not to mention, I was learning all these different things about myself. I came out the other side and I was really grateful for the experience. And years later, I still think about that day at the museum. This is what the dark night of the soul feels like. The dark night of the soul is this period where we're transitioning identities. We're going from our old identity to our new identity. And we're in this, the holding pattern in between the two. The thing is, uh, you know, uh, that doesn't exactly feel too good to be there. We hear, ooh, dark night of the soul. Cool, it's this new spiritual thing that I get to do, and I'm so much more spiritual than everybody else because I'm doing the dark night of the soul. And then we get into it, and it's like, boom, career, gone. Boom, relationship, gone. Boom, house, gone. Boom, major illness. Boom, like no friends. Boom, death in the family. It's these deep things that rock us to our core that make us feel just like we're in that art exhibit in the dark. We're going, what the hell happened to me? 
Why is this happening to me? And the pain that I felt personally going through this period is the, the whole reason why I'm doing this whole series. That's the whole reason why I started this whole podcast. How I feel we transcend the dark night of the soul isn't by necessarily figuring something out. We just kind of acclimate to our own darkness. When I was in that art exhibit, my eyes, they just naturally adjusted to the darkness. And then all of a sudden, I could see. And a room that previously had been completely dark. Once we've lost all the external things, the car, the relationship, the, you know, the business, the friends, the house, like everything, it forces us inside. Once we go into that once we get into that deep enough layer, then what we start doing is we go, okay, well, at least I have my old identity. And we can cling to that. So we can, that's when it gets really hard. You know, we all think like, oh, okay, it's really tough to like lose all the things, all, all those external things. But the hardest thing to go through is losing our identity, not knowing who we are, feeling blank. And that's the purpose of the dark night of the soul, to drive us to that point so that we have to rebuild in a much stronger way. And that's really the gift of the dark night of the soul. And I know that doesn't sound too fun, but the point of that is it's just like building a house. If you have a house with a horrible foundation and then you build a masterpiece on top of it, it's going to crumble. There's going to be all these issues. So it rips out everything all the way down, including the foundation. Because once we get to that point, then the only thing that we can do is we connect in with ourself. This is when, this is when we actually start to acclimate to our own power. It doesn't feel like it at the time. It feels like we have nothing, we've lost everything, we don't know who we are anymore. But that, that's really the seed being planted in the most fertile soil. So if you're going through this phase right now, I feel for you. And I also am so happy for you because it's such a gift. All those other things that I had in my life, you know, remember how I talk about having a life that was 85% perfect? You know, if I just stay on the surface and I don't really get down into this level, you know, every single thing had to change. My whole identity had to change. All of the old things, they had to be ripped away from me so that I couldn't latch onto them outside of myself. There are so many of us who never... Um, never awaken to this level, that never go, have to go through this. And I'm not saying we need to suffer. But what I'm saying is, if your soul is going through this process, if your higher self is guiding you through it, it's such a gift because you're setting up the foundations to have that awakened abundance that no one can take away from you. Once you've lost everything, and you're still around, it, there's nothing to fear anymore. No one can take anything away from you. 
So we know this phase is complete when we reach this point where we feel that we have nothing, we've lost everything, and we're starting to wonder, why me? Why did this happen? So to give some examples, with me personally, I used to feel like, well, if I'm an entrepreneur, then I'm just better than other people. My grandness was latched on to that identity of entrepreneur. I figured, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, they get paid the most because they, hand, they take on the most risk. You know, they're producers to society. They're just consuming everything. You know, um, you know, we have in the West, we have all, this whole culture that just idolizes and godifies entrepreneurs and, and all, all the business people and, and things like that, which is, anyway, so I had some of that stuff going on. So what I would do is I would latch my abundance onto that. So then what would happen is if we'd get around other entrepreneurs who were even more successful, who'd made even more money, who had been in more magazines, who had been in other bigger things than me, know what would happen? My, all of my grandness would just deflate. Think of the people that you know that latch their grandness onto something else. Whether they go, oh, I have this super sexy girlfriend. And then they go, well, I'm grand because I'm with her. Well, what happens when, when if that relationship doesn't work out? What happens if she's mad at you? You know, what happens if it's like someone that goes, oh, I'm, I'm better than everyone because I have this car. You know, I got my, my new Tesla. Every single instance where we attach our grandness onto something external has to go away because that's not sustainable. It doesn't work every time. What the dark night of the soul does for us is it takes all those external things away so we have nowhere else outside of us that we can latch onto. And then we start kind of resonating from the inside and our power starts flowing from the inside out. So if you're going through this phase and you're at this point where you feel like I have nothing, I've lost everything, I don't even know who I am anymore, you're making fantastic progress. Stage five, the hermit phase, also known as the cocoon. One, two, three. And that's when I'd bounce them up in the air. As a little kid, I loved going on the trampoline. It was so much fun. It was a place where I could be, where we could be wild. We could jump around like monkeys. Super fun. I used to really enjoy going out there with all my siblings. And since I was the oldest, I was also the heaviest. And we learned something. We learned this little trick about being on the trampoline. So what we could do is since I was bigger than them, if we would jump and both of us would land our feet at the exact same time, and then I pushed my momentum down a little bit harder, I could transfer all that momentum through the trampoline into their feet, and then I could shoot them way higher in the air than they've ever been able to go before. So what we would do is if I'd take any of my younger siblings, and then we would start bouncing. And we'd kind of have to slow down our bounces a little bit so that we could start getting into the same rhythm. 
and we wouldn't jump as high as we possibly could. We had to kind of start off low and then we would kind of match one another's rhythm. I'd make sure that I was holding their wrists so that when I went and I put all my weight into it and I bounced them really high, they wouldn't fly off the side of the trampoline. So we'd start getting into that rhythm. We'd be going up and down and I'd say one, two, three. And then I'd bounce them as high as possible. Their feet would kick up in the air. Uh, their heads would fly back. I'd hold on to their wrists so that they don't fly away, but it was so much fun. This is kind of what the hermit stage is about for us. We basically had our asses kicked and the whole point was for us to start acclimating to our own darkness. The hermit stage is where we get back to basics. This is when I was guided to go live in a cabin in the middle of the forest. We might have a really strong desire to be with nature, to be alone, but what we're doing is we're letting our own natural rhythm start to come to the surface. Now in the last stage, and the best way to do that is to remove all the other distractions. But the hermit phase, what's different about that is it's us starting to find out who we are. The true entry perspective of going into the hermit phase is this, who am I? Who am I without all these distortions? What it's about is letting our own natural rhythm come back to the surface. That's why we have to go back to basics. That's why we'll like being alone or being with nature a bunch. It's so our own algorithm can emerge to the surface. It's like a Rubik's cube. If you ever see the kids that like put together the Rubik's cube and solve it in like 20 seconds or something, they just move it really, really fast. Basically, they figured out an algorithm, and if you just repeat that pattern over and over and over again, the entire Rubik's Cube solves itself. That's basically what the hermit phase is all about for us. Just like in the opening metaphor, it's about lining up our rhythm, lining up our momentum, and aligning it with that higher part of ourselves that can bounce us higher than we ever thought possible. Now that we've already spent enough time understanding the darkness, acclimating to it and becoming comfortable of accepting those other shadow sides of ourselves, now it's time to start rebuilding our own unique us. This is when we start learning that nothing external is real. Every single thing that happens to us is internal. It's a reflection of who we are. Camille likes to tell this story of Pema Chodron. And uh, basically what she did was she went out into the middle of nowhere, spent a bunch of time in deep, deep meditation, and noticed what happened. So she was out there in the middle of nowhere, and for some reason, she kept having the same familiar thoughts about being grumpy. And there was nobody else around for her to blame them on. So then she started realizing, oh, wait a minute. Maybe this is me. Maybe 
I'm the key to changing my entire reality. And that's the point of the hermit phase. It's for us to go through our own version of that epiphany. Once we start learning our own algorithm, our own core pattern, that if we just keep replicating that, it solves the Rubik's Cube of our life, then things start to get pretty exciting. Even if we don't have our whole Rubik's Cube of life solved, if we start finding our natural pattern and we start repeating it, then we see a lot of the Rubik's Cube starting to clean up. And we can see like, okay, all the oranges, they're starting to show up on the orange side and all the yellows are starting to show up on the yellow side. Holy crap, I've, this is the furthest I've ever gotten. We start to figure out what our own patterns are and then we start choosing which ones we want. And the Rubik's Cube is just a metaphor for all the different areas of our life. We see, oh my gosh, my relationship is actually feeling really fulfilling and it's not taking a ton of work. Wow, who knew I could actually stick to my habits this well when I don't have a social activity that's tempting me at every single instance. One of my favorite metaphors is from uh, Bashar, who is, well, anyway, if you know who Bashar is, I'll, we'll just leave it at that. But we'll call him a spiritual teacher. And he says, what we do as humans is a lot of times we look into the reflection that we're projecting out into our reality. So it's like looking in the mirror and then we see ourselves frowning. And then what we do is we go up to the mirror and then we try to control and grab the, the reflection that we see, the projection, the hologram that we see in front of us. And then we try to grab that reflections face and then you know shift the shift the frown into a smile but that doesn't work and when it doesn't work we frown even more and then we see the reflection frown even more and then we're even more frustrated and we already tried something we don't have to become masters just yet all we have to do if we want that reflection that expression to change is we smile internally and then the reflection has no choice but to show us that. That's what we're learning in the hermit phase. But we have to start learning that as we shift the inside, the outside world responds. And that's how you know that you're done with the hermit phase. And you have that perspective. And you're starting to get it. That as you shift on the inside, the outside responds to you. Stage six, frequency rises. Come on, you piece of shit. Is that literally all you can lift? Look at your shoulders. You still look fucking scrawny. You still look like a little boy. These are the kinds of things that I'd tell myself when I was at the gym. It's not that I was masochistic. It's just that I needed to tell myself something that would get me to lift heavier weights did that for years until I ran into this one energy healer who said, I'm going to help you delete out all of your distorting patterns that basically get you to do things like this that are counterproductive for your body. So I did the energy healing 
could feel all kinds of stuff changing. And then I went right back to working out. About a year later, I noticed that I had been going to the gym more consistently than I ever had been before. I was lifting heavier. I was doing more challenging exercises. And I was feeling really good about myself. And one day, I remember looking into the mirror at the gym. And I said, all right, come on, bud. You got this? Let's go for a couple more. Nice set. And pretty soon I realized, in fact, I was propping myself up. And the motivation that I had, it wasn't coming from a place of lack. Going to the gym didn't feel like this thing where I had to confront all my insecurities and all my inner demons. It got to be a place where I could go and just clear my head. I wasn't doing that same self-destructive thing anymore. I wasn't trying to tear myself down, move my body, feel good. And that's what this stage is all about. Increasing our frequencies. Here's the entry perspective into this stage. All I have to do is shift what's on the inside and then the outside will change. Well, that's fantastic news. How high can we ascend? In the last phase, we were trying to kind of get the hang of how this whole thing works. We're starting to see in a very, very scaled down version where we're back to basics, what our natural patterns are and how when we shift those, our entire life changes. In this stage, frequency rises. Now we've kind of figured it out and we are taking advantage of all those patterns. This is the point where all the pain that we run into, these are all opportunities for us. This is where we naturally get excited to peel off more layers. An example of this was working out. Working out, it didn't feel like a drag anymore. It didn't feel like something I had to do because if I didn't, things were going to go wrong. It was this thing where I was starting to see results that I had never seen before. And I was picking up all this momentum and it was actually fun to be there. It felt good to be there. I didn't feel just like beating myself up. Another example of this is this is when I started getting a lot closer with another friend of mine who has super, super strong intuitive abilities. She's the kind of person that I can just like say, hey, then she can tap in, read exactly what's going on with me. And I don't even have to say anything. And she'll tell me exactly what the dynamics are, whether it involves me or other people or whatever. So anyway, I started working with her and I started practicing my own energy healings on her. So now what would happen is day by day, things would come up and there would be things that kind of suck about life. But instead of viewing those as another annoying thing that I have to deal with, to me, it was a chance for me to turn one of those negative patterns into a positive pattern, into a pattern that would basically automate my, it would put me on autopilot towards the life that I want. So this is when the momentum really started picking up. So in basically every interaction that I was having, every conversation that I was having, every person that was coming into my life, every single instance I was looking at, okay, what's the perspective that I need here? What am I learning about myself? How can I increase my self-awareness here? What patterns do I have going on? This is the point where we're still facing the same challenges and we still have all these other layers that we have to peel off. 
But the deeper we go, the more profound the results get. And there's this renewed sense of vitality where the dark night of the soul, it just kind of throws us in there and we have to kind of just like endure it and acclimate to our darkness. This is the point where we're so excited by the potential that we're just moving fast. Working out is a really, really good metaphor because when you're in that zone and you can just feel yourself with all this momentum behind you, you're excited to be there. That's what it can feel like, whether you're increasing your physique, you're strengthening your spiritual development, you're strengthening your finances, you're strengthening your romantic relationships, whatever, however it's showing up for you. That's what this stage is about. It's about pulling you forward through excitement instead of just having to kind of deal with our own darkness. The best metaphor I've ever heard that describes this stage is like an elite athlete. So in the beginning, if we're completely out of shape, what we start doing is we say, okay, I want to go run, uh, I want to go do a triathlon or something. Then if we're completely out of shape, that first little bit of going to the gym, eating healthy, and getting, getting fit, it sucks because we're so far away from that which we want. But in the case of a high-performance athlete, you know, once we start developing that baseline level of uh, functional fitness, then it starts increasing. The joy starts increasing. Then pretty soon, when, we when we're already pretty fit, then it gets to the point where it's like, well, how high can I go? And then it's like, how, how much can I push myself? What's the limit? And it's exciting. It's thrilling. It's exhilarating. And that's what life feels like in this stage. So pretty soon we start to feel a lot more in control and excited for the adventure. What happens after a little bit is we start realizing that as we shift each of these patterns, our life gets better. And then pretty soon we start creating our own, our own personal heaven that we take with us everywhere that we go. And it doesn't matter who we meet, where we go, what we're doing, we have this innate sense that we're, we're strong and we don't have to, it doesn't matter what comes at us. Some parents, basically what they do is they, sit, they have a child and they love the child and then they say, you know what, I'm never going to let anything bad happen to you, which is a really sincere promise. It's heartfelt. It's authentic but it's impossible to deliver on. Not to mention, it denies our, our human experience. What if, instead of trying to prevent anything bad from happening, happening to us, what if we became so strong that it literally didn't matter what happened to us and we'd be more than okay? That's what this phase is about. It's about ramping it up, harnessing that momentum and starting to create the kingdom within. This is when we start to love our patterns. We love who we become. We see ourselves with this respect and this dignity that may or may not have been there before. Our life starts feeling abundant. And best of all, that abundance isn't located anywhere outside of us because we know ourselves. We know our patterns so deeply. 
And we've worked through most of them to the point where we feel, it's like you almost feel in control, but you're also not so in control that it prevents you from feeling adventure. It's like you're in control and you're totally open to adventure. The exit perspective from this stage is, okay, I, I can feel the kingdom within of my own creation. And I don't need anything external to know my grandness. Stage seven, magnetic success. You ever have those days where you feel like, you know, all of your hopes and dreams have dried up and there's no point anymore. You should just give up, forget about all this stuff, screw it. Like nothing matters, nothing ever did matter. And life is just completely pointless. And they can just feel that something's different. And that's usually right about the time where a new client will just show up out of the blue. So the days that I schedule a haircut for myself. And it really shouldn't work this well. But something magic happens when I get a good haircut. I come out of the barber just feeling fresh, knowing that I look good. And then all of a sudden, just because I know something internally, you know, those same existential self-loathing thoughts that I was having only an hour earlier, they're completely wiped away. All of a sudden, I start feeling all these new possibilities brimming within me. My creative projects are completely renewed. And I think, wow, I should go take action on this thing. So then I start walking around and my shoulders come back, my chest comes up, and I'm walking around confident and excited and engaged again. People start looking at me, sometimes women, and they start saying, who the hell is this guy? That feels good. Then I'll go sit down at the coffee shop and then I'll start working away on something. And then my friends, they look at me and they go, what's going on with Zach? I didn't have to work for them. They're perfect, completely ideal. And it's almost like the success is coming out of thin air. It's like feeling like you got a great haircut every single day. That's what magnetic success feels like. You know, we think that what we want is we want to be super wealthy. Well, we want to have a super sexy romantic partner. We want to be incredibly smart. We want to be really charitable. We want to be super authentic. And all those things are great. But what we really want is this magnetic success where we can feel it resonating inside of us. And then all the people, places, and situations, they are drawn to us naturally. It's like being able to do magic. But for real, it's being able to see the manifestation coming. The feeling of magnetic success is so much better than conventional success. And here's why. Magnetic success, it feels like it's coming from the inside out. Rather than us being able to point to some kind of external accomplishment or external result, or external outcome, anything on the outside, we can feel this, it comes from inside of us. 
And you know you're there when you're thinking, I am the grandness that I've been looking for. I've already created my kingdom within. It's this amplified experience where you're feeling ecstatic doing really mundane things. We've all had those days where we're just so stable in our emotions. We can feel ourselves completely tuned in to all the all of life's little synchronicities. You know, we have a momentary thought where we go, oh, I could really use guidance on this. And then we happen to just look to our right and then we see you know, a dragonfly landing on top of a fence post. And that just so happens to be the thing that we dreamt about two nights ago and we know the symbols right away. And just instantaneously, you know, the manifestations, they're just pouring in. We feel this enduring connection with our higher self that feels like we are completely sovereign in our own lives. Yet at the same time, we feel connected to this higher part of us that is got our back a hundred times over. There's things that we want and things that we're excited to reach for, but there's this grounded sense of neutrality about whatever happens. We would strongly prefer things to happen, but we don't need anything. It's not, I'm not talking about becoming like some monk that has completely let go of any desire for anything. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is either way, whatever way life goes, you feel like you're winning. So sometimes what happens is when we're in this state of magnetic success, sometimes we can slip back into the previous stage, frequency rises. And this usually happens, well, this happened to me if I would start coveting something too much. So for example, with my abilities, I, was, I mean, it's pretty exciting as soon as I started getting a handle on it. But after a while, I would rely on them too much or I would feel like, you know, without them, I'm nothing. And as soon as I started kind of pushing this thing outside of me and then putting it up onto a pedestal, that's when they would start to, I say, I usually explain this as they would flicker. So it's like I would still have them, but they wouldn't be as sharp. And the reason that that would happen was because I was slipping back into that prior stage of frequency rises where I'm building all my patterns. When you're in magnetic success, you own your patterns. They are synonymous with you. And this is the coolest state to be in. And you're so flexible that if it needs to go some other way, it can go some other way, but you don't even have a flicker of doubt that good things are coming to you. Life, it just becomes this thing where it's like, it's just one surprise after the next surprise. And the coolest part is it's a state. It's, it's like an emotion. It's this feeling that you can just click into and you can live from there. It's not like anything external, like an outcome or a result that you can point to because if you can point to it outside of yourself, it can get taken away. This is a sense of well-being that stays. This is different. And that connection that you feel to, we'll call it pure source, it beats everything. The reason I love magnetic success so much is because it's internally generated and it is the most gratifying thing in the world when all the success that comes into you through these poetic, beautiful, 
miraculous circumstances when you can see that stuff coming in and as it starts getting closer and closer you know in your heart that you created it that you made it happen there's no better feeling magnetic success is a gift it's like a blessing from our higher self and while at the same time we own the fact that we've created this that we've turned ourselves into the receiver of this blessing. We've opened ourselves up to it, cleared out our patterns, made ourselves so able to receive that now the blessings are just pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. They're being given freely to us. It's still important to note it's a gift. This level of blessings coming into you, this level of magnetic success, it's a gift. In the same way that if we had a busted, um, a busted radio and then we go back and then we start fixing up the radio, we get the parts like working together, we put it back together, you know, we finally get power onto it and then now we're testing it out and then we got to get the new antenna and we put the new antenna on it and we finally get it to that point where it starts singing because it, the frequencies that are traveling through the air they finally come through the speaker and they start playing and you hear that music while at the same time you've created that and you own that and you know that the music that's being broadcast is being broadcast freely as a gift and it's available for anyone that's tuned into that same frequency. All right, so you just heard the seven stages of awakening as told through seven stories. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let me do a quick little recap just in case you didn't get to hear the first episode. Here are the seven stages one more time with the entry perspectives and the exit perspectives. So the way that you know you're kind of complete with that stage. So first stage is asleep. Our entry perspective there is I'm fine. My life's fine. I just need a little bit more money and then my life will be perfect. You exit that stage once you start hearing about all the different ways that life works. You start hearing about synchronicities and... You know, you're kind of interested in astrology and maybe you've done a tarot reading wait, or you're thinking about it. You're just kind of curious. Stage two is the glimpse. Your entry perspective there is, okay, fine, I'll listen. Prove it. Prove to me that there's something more than what I understand. You exit that stage when you have the glimpse and you go, holy shit, uh, maybe there's a lot more to life than I previously thought possible stage three is mapping the patterns we enter this perspective with this idea of whoa didn't realize that life worked like this now i want to learn how does all this stuff work you exit that stage when you go oh okay this is kind of how life works stage four is the dark night of the soul you enter that perspective with this question, why don't I have what I want? Where am I blocked? And 
and then we get shown. We exit that perspective when we get to the point where <laughs> what I have written down is, I have nothing, I've lost everything. Stage five is the hermit phase. We enter that with the perspective, well, who am I? What's my natural rhythm without all these distortions? Stage six is frequency rises. Our entry perspective there is, wait, all I have to do is shift the inside? This is fantastic. How high can I ascend? How far can we go? And we exit that stage when we start feeling the kingdom within, where we don't need anything external to know our internal grandness. Stage seven is magnetic success, with our entry perspective being, I am the grandness that I've been seeking. I've created the kingdom within. And we just heard a ton about how wonderful magnetic success is. So in any case, I hope you enjoyed that. This episode took a lot of work. So uh, I, really hope, I really hope that it helps you. Um, I really hope it gives you some of that structure as you're going through your journey. I know the spiritual journey can be a pretty demanding one. So I hope this is really helpful. I hope this accelerates some of the learning. And yeah, hope you have a, a bunch of fun going through the process. So until next time, I'm Zach. And just like always, you don't have to watch out when you look within. Later. We graduate from that stage when we get the exit perspective. As I shift inside, the outside responds. Intro and outro music by The Passion Hi-Fi.